everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 144 of the podcast that is taking you through all of the Marvel Universe superhero adventures from the beginning with the Fantastic Four number one in 1961 and going all the way up to 1967. It's January and we've done 144 of these episodes, which is one gross. Do you remember... um, it always stuck out to me in the Lord of the Rings uh, because Bilbo invited 144 people to his birthday party. Mm. And he thought it was funny because it was 144. That's a gross. But no, like, I don't remember that. The hobbits thought referring to people as a gross of people was a horribly insulting expression. <laughs> well, that's Bilbo so, for you. That's Bilbo. Welcome to my 111st birthday. Yeah, that yeah. part I remember. Yep. Anyways, so um, we are going to be covering four issues today. Tales to Astonish 90, The X-Men 30, Daredevil 26, and Fantastic Four 61. But first... But but John, last time you assigned the homework, you didn't say those four issues. What happened? Oh, shoot. That's right. That is a different homework list than you had last episode. Well, because when I was reading through the issues for this episode and next episode, I realized that... Um, I had inserted, I had ordered a suspense based on Iron Man, and actually the Captain America story relates to something that happens later, so we had to push suspense 88 till next episode. And so, if you have not yet read Fantastic Four 61, because I didn't mention it last time, and you want to pause and go take care of that, that's fine. We'll still we'll be wait. here. Yep. Yeah. Okay, do you think they're back? I think they're yep. back. Yeah, I think they're done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... But also, we need to talk about 1966. Yes, we finished 1966 last year, and uh, we were going to wait till this episode to do a little recap and numbers crunch. Right. So I like to keep track of our likes and dislikes from each epi- from each month, and um, so I make I keep a little spreadsheet going, and um, sometimes. I don't know what it is about the whole OneDrive thing, but sometimes it doesn't save correctly. And I open it up and it's an old version of the document. And I'm like, oh, great. Um, so our likes and dislikes for the year 1966. Mike, what would you guess was your most liked mm. story? Most liked series, you mean? Like how many times mm-hmm. I liked it? Um, Fantastic Four? Actually, hold on. I'm looking at it and I've got... Fantastic Four in one place and Spidey in another. Now I'm confused. But yeah, it's well, one of those it could, two. It's either, yeah, that makes sense to me. And my least was probably X-Men, is what I'm going to guess. Your least was? Probably by far X-Men, right? Had to be. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. X-Men. Actually. <laughs> like every single issue. <laughs> okay, so I'm just counting real quick. One, two, three, four. You had mm-hmm. four months where you chose something other than the X-Men Ouch. in 1966. Ouch. You chose S.H.I.E.L.D. twice. Oh, you know why? Because they were annoying me with the whole plot dropping thing mm-hmm. they were doing. And you chose Thor once, and you just recently chose Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange really hacked me off, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thor, huh? Wow, I don't remember that. Like, what did Thor do to me? I don't know. 
I can't remember which one that would be, but interesting. Um, my favorite for 1966 was Spider-Man. All right. But not by as much of a landslide as one might expect. I chose Spider-Man mm. four times. That's it, huh? In 1966. Yeah. Kind You're of holding crazy. back. You're holding back. Um, or it's because Ditko's gone. Yeah. Not intentionally. But okay, so I'll be honest. I think I've said this before. I love the Romita era. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't hit me as deeply as the Ditko era does. Mm-hmm. And so although I enjoy them a lot, it's it's kind of easier for other stuff to beat it. Um, and the end of Ditko probably wasn't picked by you often either because he kind of went out on a whimper. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, my most disliked was also the X-Men. Um, mm. But I think I chose it slightly less than you. I'm counting... Four votes for Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, there was that one time we both chose the X-Men and we both chose Thor one month. So I had a mm. few more votes than you did against uh, other stuff. All right. So of all of, of 1967, put us together. Um, we liked Spider-Man the most. If all of our votes together, we liked Spider-Man the most. And um, we disliked, of course, the X-Men the most. Mm-hmm. Now, of all time, what do you think you have disliked the most in all time? I have so many X-Men just this year. I feel like it almost has to be X-Men, but also X-Men didn't start when we first started the show. So, hmm. Is it still like maybe Tales to Astonish, Giant Man, stuff like that? Your first place for dislikes is tied mm. between Ant-Man, Giant Man, and yeah. Thor. Thor, I am really surprised by that. Wow! But the X Men is one vote less, so it's it's oh, so a very close third. They'll catch up because I think the Thor stuff was like that period, like right after Kirby leaves and they don't know what to do with him, kind of. Mm-hmm, and he's not; mm-hmm. they don't really play up Asgard yet, so he's just like being dumb. Yeah, coming yeah. out of 1965, our dislike for Thor was more prevalent, mm-hmm. but. Because uh, I think it was more like a yeah like 1964 era that our Thor dislike was really there, and mm. it just your dislikes are more spread out. Your dislikes are very spread out. Um, mm. Nine for Thor, nine for Ant Man, eight for X Men, but there's like sixes and sevens and stuff in there. And we've mm. had you know however many votes, how many months we've had. So you're just really spread out. My most disliked is still the torch. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Jeez. Nine votes for the torch, eight votes for Thor, and then I have a three-way tie with seven votes between Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, and the X-Men. Ooh. So your X-Men is right behind your top counts. My X-Men is close, but... We're going to have to, like, pretty soon create percentages because it's not fair to, like, keep dogging on X-Men who last 20 years where Human Torch only lasted a couple, you know? Like, and, but how many of that run did we hate? 98% or 1%? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would imagine that, I mean, right now, Torch is is my top by one count. Mm-hmm. And Ant-Man is tied with Thor for you. So it's going to get out. It's going to get buried by other yeah, stuff because totally. there, there's no more votes for it. Um, right. Between us, our all-time dislike highest number by a smidge is Thor. Okay. Um, Ant-Man and Torch is tied one vote less, and X-Men is one vote less than that. 
So those four things are the ones that we have not enjoyed. Well, I was just skimming through here. So this is not a be all end all of first and stuff, but just going through the year. And one of the things we got is Thor becoming Thor instead of journey into mystery. Yeah. And, and, and really year. all this Thor dislike is from before this year. So this uh, year Thor has been riding high. We have a, say, it's been up in our yeah. top, but he's been pretty good all year, I think. So I guess I must've disliked one, but I don't remember which one it was. Uh, uh yeah, it was the, he, it was he, the um, uh, the, the man beast. Oh, episode, God, the Super yeah. Beast. Yeah, 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 yeah. We that both really, really, really didn't like one uh, of those really stupid. chapters. Because they kicked out Jane just summarily, and that pissed me oh, off. Oh, that's, that's right. what it was. We both downvoted the Jane dismissal issue. Yeah, it was really stupid. Yeah, we 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 got really mad at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a good year. It was a really good year for a lot of good stuff. We got um, we got a Galactus and a Silver Surfer and a Batroc and a John Romita and a Mimic, Green, I guess, if anybody cares about that. We got Green um, Goblin. We've got Green Mary Goblin. Jane. Mary Jane. We've got a better Hulk now than we've had ever. Much better Hulk. Um, Starenko has come on shield, but I feel like that's a, that's a struggling ship that's, still. I, I have a feeling this year is going to solidify the Starenko thing. Titanium mm. Man, Rhino. I'm just trying to think of first characters that are kind of important. I don't know if Titanium Man's important. Claw, Black Panther. Oh, yeah, Black Panther. Wakanda. Uh, Wakanda, yeah. Is the Inhumans this year or was that last year? They've dragged on so long. I can't. It seems like decades. I don't know. What, what number issue did we start on this year with Fantastic Four? We started. Let me jump to that faster than I could be. Uh, with forty nine, so it's Galactus. Okay, so we had just, you had to say goodbye to the Inhumans first run to get to Galactus. So okay, so that was the year prior. Yeah, gosh, we've been mid- we've been meandering with these people for an entire year. They've been dwelling in the background. Yep. Oh my god. Well, I guess you could argue that that's kind of a cool thing that Stan just kept going and going with it, I suppose. But Kirby, I think it's more Kirby than Stan. I think Kirby just really likes them and wants to do stuff with them and isn't sure or is making plans yeah. or something. He hasn't brought them to the forefront yet. Nope. But anyway. Uh, just a couple more Gestalt uh, mm-hmm. um, stats. Yeah. So your likes – Almost evenly tied, but it's one vote difference between Spidey and Fantastic Four. Uh, Spidey is one more thing, one more vote than Fantastic Four. Hmm. And of course, my top like by far is Spidey, which right. means together our top like is Spidey. Um, still the only story that we have not liked as top <gasps> even once is Namor. Ooh. Oh, wow. Well... I don't think that's not fair. He's always just kind of okay. He's just kind of okay or less than okay, but never like never the best, never the worst. Yeah. We I don't think I pick like him as worst either, very often. That's never going to change now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not shocking that like Spider-Man and FF are continuing to be the top because they are. I mean, there's a reason everybody loves those books. Do you want to guess um, what else, what other series that's still going that you have never said is your favorite? Hmm. Ever, ever in the history of the show, or mm-hmm. just this year? Okay. Ever. Because I'm pretty sure I, I picked Shield. I picked uh, uh, the Howlers once. I know that at least once. So let me think. Boy, it can't be like. Is it Doctor Strange? It's Doctor Strange. Yeah. 
That makes sense to me too. I've only listed him as favorite once, but you've never listed him as favorite. Um, we've I'm, both never said Namor, and there's one other that I've never said. Hulk? I've said Hulk twice. You've said Hulk once. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I've never loved an Iron Man story. And never? Mm-mm. Wow. I mean, well, I, I feel I, like I, it's I've been a while lots of me. Iron Man stories, but never more than other stuff. Hmm. No, I think those early days, I was having fun with it. I think that's when I was picking it, because I don't think I've picked it lately as a favorite. But And... um. For the least favorites, we've both also never said Namor. Okay. And that's the only one that you've never hated. See? I'm a well-rounded hater. But there's one thing that you have hated that I haven't. Okay. And you've chosen it once. And the fact that I have a zero on mine makes me laugh because it's Captain Captain America. America. Of course. (laughs) I think the one that you picked was that stupid breaking out of jail. It has to be that one. That was issue. the dumbest story ever. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never picked it. And it's your favorite guy and you've you've hated it once. So that just makes me laugh. Yep. yep. You have um you have only loved Captain America four times so far. Uh, so feel free to like him more. Well, he's it's weird because I do enjoy reading him and it's but they're always just like kind of fighty fight fights right now, and they still haven't really moved on to giving him a life yet much. They're getting mm-hmm. there, getting closer. No, I get but, it. The, the, yeah. the, the series is more than it was, but it's not yet what it can become. Yeah, it's definitely not a dislike. In fact, I still, to this day, think Kirby TOS art is freaking phenomenal. It's like the mm-hmm. best stuff he's ever done. So I do enjoy looking at it. It's pretty. I almost think that Cap in Avengers is more interesting, but that'll yeah, change. That. He'll get his own book soon, and then he'll get supporting characters and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, because we're in 1967. So 1967 mm-hmm. is is a pretty big deal because towards the end of this year is when um, things start to open up with the um, with the the lineup. If I if I if I look at January 1968 and just kind of see what we have there that we don't have now. Um, oh, this is the last year of Tales of Suspense. Mm-hmm. Suspense it- ends in December. Well, it ends in November because November is a bonkers, one of those bonkers, way too many issues year. And then December is, goes out on a whimper with only seven issues. Oh, that's right. Because November 30th, the, the first week of December is actually yeah. the end of November. Yeah. Right. So Tales of Spence, 99. If we make it to December, the end of this year, that's it. And then Cap and Iron Man get their own titles. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get a new title before this year is out. Captain Savage and his Leatherneck Raiders. Um, we do get a title we're not going to cover because I don't think we have any reason to cover parody series, but nah. not brand Eck starts this year. Nah, that'd just be hard to talk about. I think so. I think so. Um, fantasy masterpieces, I think has already been running and that's like an, a golden age reprint title. I'm trying to find and see when that starts or started. Fantasy Masterpieces does not start mm-hmm. in February, because that's what I'm looking. Uh, oh, it started back in 65. It's, it's, it's already been going. Oh, okay. But what the reason I mention it is because at the end of this year, that is going to convert to Marvel Superheroes, and Marvel Superheroes 12 is the first appearance of Captain Marvel. Mm. So, brand new character coming at the end of this year that we don't have yet. Tales of Suspense also... Ends with two issues in November. So that's interesting. Back to back. 98 and 99 come out. Well, yeah, because 98 is the November issue and 99 is the December oh, issue. Oh, I see. 
And then yeah, 100, right. Captain America 100 is January of 68. As is Iron Man and Submariner number one, which I don't think I've ever read. So that'll be cool. But we got to get through a, a different year first. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, there's one more thing I was going to mention, and that is uh-huh. the Ghost Rider series, uh-huh. which I think we decided we're not going to cover. The Western one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we haven't covered Two-Gun Kid or Rawhide Kid or any of that, so. Right. The only reason I thought we might is because it does get tied into the, um, you know, the the go- the larger Ghost Rider mythos. Does it? Other than the movie, I mean? Yeah, in the because ni- the movie t- based that stuff in the 90s. Okay. Um, but he's just a dude who wears issues. a mask, right? He's not like a spirit of vengeance or anything. No, he's just, a, right now he's just a guy, I don't think. He has anything going on except for a cool look. Okay. Well, I would say like, you know, two gun kid and stuff also tie into six one six at some point and we're still ignoring them. So exactly. I don't have a problem ignoring it. I read the first issue or two of ghost rider. And although it was enjoyable as much as those things go, there wasn't enough to really set it apart and make it interesting for me. So yeah, um, I think we'll just leave that off. We need a, supplemental series for someone who covers the romance and someone who covers the Western or multiple people. That's fine. So get your, get your demo tapes in <laughs> and, and and we'll put you on our feed. You guys cover the stuff we don't want to cover. Wasn't that fun for you? Yeah. I would totally uh, do that. Anyway. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, after all that much ado about nothing, we're going to go into who has the first book. Me. Cause we're off oh. kilter still. So Submariner and the Incredible Hulk, Tales to Astonish, like, buried underneath that because they just don't even want to call these books those things anymore, but they keep doing it anyway. And it's almost half covered by the art. I know. That's what I don't get. Like, why don't you just go ahead and name it that? But I guess they're just being gun shy or something. Anyway, issue number 90 from the Golden Pass comes the menace of Birra. I'm just going to spell it. B-Y-R-R-A-H, exclamation point. And then I'm going to just call him Bira the entire time, but I really don't know if that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. I like Bira. Uh, to be beaten by Bira, presenting one of the most fiendish, fascinating, fascinating villains of the Golden Age of Marvel. Those of you who were with us in the fabulous 40s will be sure to remember Namor's cruel, calculating cousin, Bira, the jealous, treacherous stepson of the then Emperor. Now he appears upon the scene once more, and Marveldom will never be the same. I bet it will. Anyway, produced with pageantry, presented with pride by Stanley and Bill Everett, lettered by Sherigail, water ballet staged by Irving Forbush. So yeah, this guy from the Golden Age that I've never heard of personally, but then I haven't read a lot of Namer of the Golden Age. I guess he was back in the day, like this blonde blue dude who challenged Namer all the time and Namer constantly beat him physically, but now he's okay. He's like older. He's got a cool mustache. He runs a weapons manufacturing factory for Atlantis, I guess, or unless it's a private business because they don't really tell us how Atlantean government works and stuff. But basically his strategy has been since he was never able to beat Submariner in the past physically, he just kind of backed off and became like a good citizen. But secretly he hates everybody and wants to rule and press his foot on all the backs of their necks. So now the time has finally come where Namor is just fresh off of being attacked or Atlantis, really, being attacked, what, two, three times in a row or something like that since we started this series? Um, so he starts getting up in front of people and being like, dude, do you really want a emperor that 
that just constantly invites war and people challenging us. And, you know, why don't we look for someone that's better? And the people are kind of like, yeah, that sort of makes a lot of sense. And so the, the whole story is him just going from one location to another, kind of getting more and more uproarious. At first, he starts out kind of calm and peaceful, but now then it becomes like, you know, full on Hitler, like with the crowd and stuff and him shaking his fist and everybody like, yeah, death to Neymar and all that. Um, anyway, Vashti comes along to Neymar's place and says, hey, there's this guy and he's it's it's uh you know Bira you know who he is from the golden age remember, and he's telling people that you're not fit to wear the crown and Neymar of course is like oh yeah so he goes to challenge Bira on television and says like I'm gonna fight you because I saw that in a Black Panther movie once whoever wins gets the rule so every and then like um Vashti and um um Dormar are like yeah but he's probably going to cheat and Neymar's like I don't care Imperius Rex and so they get in this big arena and they fight but you know what they weren't wrong he does cheat because the arena's full of like pre pre-planted weapons and fish that are lethal that Bira grabs and like throws at Neymar and a swordfish that he throws at Neymar and the swordfish actually does cut him, and it's laced with poison, so it makes him weak, and he starts slowing down. And that's when Bira uses, like, the ink of an octopus that he planted there, or a squid, and it confuses Namor, and then he knocks Namor out with one punch, because between the punch and the poison, Namor just can't take it. So now everybody's lifting Bira on their shoulders, and like, yay, some mariner has met their, his master, mighty Lord Bira, must be prince, yay, 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 and then... Um, Namor's capsad and Vashti and Dorm are like, aw, and that's it. Next, death outside the gates. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of interesting points. Mm-hmm. Um, is a letter we've had before. Okay. Like once. It's a, it's a pseudonym for Mori Kuramoto, mm-hmm. uh, who was a Japanese guy who worked for, um, Marvel behind the scenes. If you worked in the offices, you definitely knew who he was. Um, we have a listener who has worked for Marvel in the past, uh, Scott Edelman, and he tweeted once that December 7th always brings back memories of Mori Kermoto, aka the Ancient One, who each year on that date would arrive in the Marvel bullpen wearing a leather aviator's cap, sit at his drawing board, and toss paper airplanes at whoever passed by while shouting bonsai. Because, of mm. course, December 7th is the anniversary of Japan attacking America. Gross. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he would just, being Japanese, kind of relish in that in a fun way that I guess 50 years of distance allows him to do and allows him uh-huh. to do whatever. Um, but uh, much loved guy who is, I, I don't think, still alive. But uh, I've seen people post pictures of him and he's in lots of group shots anyways. Um, yeah, Bira. Mm-hmm. Not in the 40s, in the 50s. Oh, so they say golden age, though. But I guess they yeah. haven't really established what golden age means yet. Well, they also say 40s, and they're wrong. Oh, <laughs> you're right. They do. Fabulous 40s. Right. He's in the 50s revival run of Submariner, and um, he he does a lot of stuff that I feel like this story says we're going to forget about that. He hasn't done those things because he does actively try to take over Atlantis from Namor. And um, 
stuff that in, in this he seems to be a peace like everyone thinks of him as a peace loving dude and he's like I spent my entire life convincing them that I'm a peace loving dude um well they do go flashback to this fight that they had but as kids then, right then I think afterwards he's like I since I couldn't beat him I decided to just go legit yeah that and 50 series my time. had a few backup issues a backup stories with Namor as a young guy and mm-hmm. so you had a few conflicts with Namor and Bira in those stories. He tried to like foment war between Atlantis and the surface. He was, he, and he even teamed up with the commies. I've read his first issue and his last issue. In his last issue, he's teaming up with communists. So then even if we're talking 10 years later, so I guess you could say he's bided, he's bided his time, you know, mm-hmm. more than 10 years, 50. Oh, when did those come out? 54? 50. I want to say six, but I could be wrong. Okay, so it's pretty much exactly 10 years, 11 years. Let's say he did that. No one remembers that at some point he did try and declare war on the humans, and just like he's accusing Namor of doing all the time. Right. Uh, so that's weird. They may be making their own version of Bira, kind of like they've rewritten mm-hmm. Captain America's past. Yeah, but then my other problem is he says he's biding his time waiting for, waiting for Namor to screw up a bunch of times first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but where was he when Namor was amnesiac and Atlantis was missing, like, was he biding his time then too? Like Namor was not around. Why didn't he take over? Yeah. Well, that brings up a big question of who was in charge of Atlantis during all that time. Namor hey, was Hey, good point. I don't know. Was it Krang and Dorma? Cause I felt like Krang and Dorma felt a little bit put out whenever Namor showed back up on the scene. Mm-hmm. I could buy that. And that was back whenever Dorma was like, yeah, we've been, Smoochin', but we've got to stop because I love Namor and he's back now. So he says, I remain silent when Lord, Lord, Warlord Klang made his ill-fated bid to usurp the throne of Namor. But that was later. That was stuff we've seen. Mm-hmm. But what about before that? Yeah, it does seem I don't to know. Kind of, yeah, it's a good question. And I have asked before, has there ever been a racist Atlantean? Like, how come they're all fine with Namor being pink? Mm. And he's not. So, hey, we got our first racist Atlantean. All right. Because he does say something condescending about how, like, Namor's not even blue. He shouldn't be running, ruling us. The, I can't uh, remember where that was, but I know what happened. It was yeah, I'm looking for it, but I couldn't find it. The, um, the people were demanding a plebiscite or yes. plebiscite. Yes. Yeah, see, comics teach you words, kids. I had to look that up. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, it's a people's election. Yeah. They want to elect a ruler. This is a monarchy. That we have seen definitely is determined by who can beat the other one up. But now they're like, no, we want elections. And yay democracy, but not for this guy. <laughs> now, I scoured Wikipedia a little bit about this guy because I never heard of him. So I wanted to, one, um, find out if they they are being serious that he was a real character in the Golden Age, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, as I scanned forward, there was a synopsis of this story, and it said that he used like some brain or mind controlling power to get the people to follow him. But I don't see any evidence of that in here that I noticed. And maybe something comes up in the next part. Okay. So we'll see if next issue, it turns out he had the gizmo in his pocket the entire time or something like the rabble rouser or whatever. But that's kind of, if that's true, I'm, I'm kind of going to be ho-hum about that. Cause I kind of like the idea that this guy just like charmed people into a frenzy. Well, and, and I wouldn't have thought at one time, that one random dude could give a few speeches and turn an entire nation toward him. Yeah. But, oh, I have learned the yeah. follies of the human mob mentality. <laughs> right. 
Right. The story's kind of on the nose, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what they said about Hitler. He was so charming. Mm-hmm. But then that's kind of a joke. Like, was he? I don't know. What? He doesn't seem charming. Well, the Nazi party formed in 1920. So he, I mean... It had a long time for him to run to power before he ever decided to start mm-hmm. causing war. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of specific things. Namor, his first reaction to Vashti was to accuse him of lying, oh. which I thought was a bit rough. Namor is very jerky. And now that he's the hero in his own story, he continues to be jerky, which I guess is cool. But yeah, it's hard to like him sometimes. And you got to love the underwater television cameras. I know, right? And the cape. And do they have their own, like, four networks in in Atlantis? Like an underground, underwater version of ABC and NBC and CBS? <laughs> well, I always continue to forget that they are apparently technologically advanced because they just never seem like they are. But they are. They make robots. They make cars. They make tanks. They make television. Mm-hmm. But it's just weird. It's always weird. Everybody's wearing baggy clothes that would just be so cumbersome in water. Everyone's standing. Everyone's standing. They're never swimming anywhere. It never looks like they're in water, except when they're moving. They're lifting the dude up on their shoulders when he wins, which Mm -hmm. does not seem like a tradition that would exist if you lived underwater. Like, that would never come about. Nope. No. So, yeah, they could try harder, but whatever. They got to put this out once a month. So we'll see what happens next month with with. You know, Bira taking over Atlantis and steering everyone. I do kind of like the girls are less so, but the guys are, you know, all archy eyebrowed and yeah, they don't look as anywhere near as fish like as they did in the forties, but they do look a bit less, you know, not quite human. And this is still Bill Everett, so he's had the practice to mm-hmm. uh, what these things should look like and be like. But oh well. All right, on to the Hulk. Hmm. Well, I forget what happens in this one. So anyway, The Abomination, a heroic Hulkish handiwork by Stan the Man Lee and Gil Sugarlips Kane, lettered by Swingin' Sam Rosen. It finally happened. Our grumbling green giant has finally gone berserk. And just wait till you see The Abomination. Come on, let's go. So if you recall, the stranger <sighs> decided, yeah? I'm sorry, it was a yawn, not oh. a breathe. Oh, I thought it was a gasp of like noticing something. I tried to be um, quiet, it didn't work. <laughs> the stranger decided Earth sucks and it needs to be destroyed. So instead of him doing it, he's just going to possess the Hulk's brain-o and say, Hulk, kill everything. And the Hulk is going to do it. And so he starts to do it. Um, but then, like on his first leap, he, I th- guess he starts by going to his base, which we've talked about before. He has like this ability to find where he was originated. So he starts there. But the first thing that happens is he has to make a decision on like what to smash first, what's more powerful. And once he starts thinking, that like allows Bruce Banner to get a hold of things and take over. So Hulk doesn't get very far. He smashed like one bridge and then he turns to Bruce Banner. And he's like, okay. I better not panic because if I turn back to the Hulk, there's nothing to say that he won't still be possessed. And right now I'm in control of my faculties, so I'll just try and be cool and chill. Meanwhile, who's not cool and chill? Thunderbolt Ross going nuts about something. Betty's crying. Uh, uh, I don't know. They're, they want to kill the Hulk. Um, oh, and there's like a spy on the base, I think. And they're upset about that. Speaking of the spy, the spy is going around um, taking pictures and... Hold on. Um, 
while that's going on, Bruce has smuggled himself into a room that has, I don't know, some doohickey that he's going to use to, I think, kill himself or at least try and kill the Hulk or something. So he has it set like on crazy the, the overload. The idea is that he's going to overdose himself with Gamma. Yeah. Is that supposed to kill him? undo the Hulk. Okay. So it's not that dark. He's not being suicidal. He's just going to kill the Hulk part of himself somehow. Right. But before he can do that, um, Glenn and the soldiers who are looking for the spy come across him. They grab him. He's like, no, no, don't. Stop, don't. But meanwhile, that spy the whole time was hiding and watching Bruce do something. And he's like, this could be the coolest thing I ever stumbled onto. It looks like the Bruce guy was going to stand on this illuminated square, so I'm going to stand on the square. And when he does that, he gets the dose of gamma radiation, and he turns into an abomination. And the first thing he does is pick up the machine and smash it. So luckily, he doesn't get such a full dose that Bruce set it to where he would die. He gets a nice, perfect amount that lets him stay the abomination. Now, unlike Hulk, he speaks and he seems to retain his intelligence. Um, but he's very excited about being super strong and hideous, and he wants to go around showing that off. Um, so he just starts beating up the base. Um, and while he's doing that, Hulk, I'm not Hulk, but Bruce Banner from jail sees that. And he's like, oh, gosh, what happened? Did I? Am I responsible for that? Uh, and he stresses out about it, and he turns into the Hulk, and I don't think the Hulk is still in brain control, but either way, he's been told to destroy everything. So one way or another, he goes after the abomination, and the two of them get into a big old fight. Um, Glenn and Thunderbolt Ross and Betty all watch and have no idea who to root for. Um, but the abomination beats Hulk because he's smarter. And yeah, so he knocks him out, and then he grabs Betty because a monster always has to have a girl on his hip. And he jumps away, and Thunderbolt Ross and Glenn are like, oh, my gosh, the only person who can stop them is that dude who's unconscious on the floor to be hulk And it was suicidal. He was going to okay. kill himself. So it was dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first abomination was a spy on the base. Nameless at this point, I think. He is not... Emil Blonsky. So he's not a Russian per se. I don't think he's anything in particular. Yeah, he just, and then he stumbles onto the gamma. He's like, oh, what's good enough for the goose is good enough for the commie. And they call um, him a foreign agent. So I guess he's not American, but they don't say what. Right. Um, I don't know what it was my first exposure to the abomination. It might mm-hmm. have been the 2008 Hulk film, but the fishy oh, really? faced abomination. Always bothers me every time I see it. <laughs> he looks like, what does he look like? He looks like uh, some horrible 50s sci-fi TV show monster. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's fishy faced and it's just like, is this really the monster that, you know, they, they chose to go? With? But, you know, it's it's the way it is. It's my fault for, you know, not knowing better. It just always strikes me as odd. I think my first exposure was was Infinity Gauntlet when Hulk got turned small and then flicks back to his own comic. Uh-huh. And he becomes like the conscience of of Abomination cuz Abomination doesn't know the Hulk is tiny. So he's just like whispering in his ear and stuff. <laughs> Are you my but conscience? It, yes, we yeah. haven't spoken in a while. And it's like it was drawn by Dale Keon and he looked a lot different than he does in this. Way oh. more monstery and cool. Yeah, Dale uh, Keon. Yeah. Man born to draw the Hulk. It's um, interesting how Gamma works. Like 
Some, I think, I don't know where I read this a long time ago. I, somewhere I read like that gamma is like some sort of wish fulfillment. And sometimes I try and frame everything through that idea, but I don't know why this guy would wish to be a weird, scaly 50s monster. True. Exactly. Does he just wish to be something ferocious and frightening? Yeah, it could be. Maybe, maybe. He does seem to, like, just like the movie, he seems to be all about the power that he's getting. Does the abomination have changeback powers, or does he stay the abomination? As far as I know, he's always this way. He doesn't change. So I guess that's probably the overdose of the the gamma, because he got a much stronger dose. At no point does he, like, look at himself and go, God, I'm a freak with three fingers. Like, he's happy. And two totally. He's totally happy that he can bench press tanks and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's all he cares about. Now, Bruce Banner, I don't really know where his logic is because he's like overdose with gamma radiation. That should do Mm -hmm. it. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. me looking back at all the Hulk stories that they've done, I feel Mm -hmm. like this is the exact opposite of what he should do. (laughs) It's just going to make him bigger and stronger. Yeah. I mean, gamma radiation makes Hulk. Mm Mm-hmm. It seems very last minute and quick. It might be cooler if we had got more banner scenes of him like trying to come up with a way to kill the Hulk or something. Mm-hmm. And then this was a thought like, well, I have to. I don't have the time to test it. I'm just going to try it. But and I didn't think nah. about it until I saw the footy controls. But is this the same Gamma gun that Banner kept in his cave back in the original Hulk series? Mm, that would be cool. were laughing at the footy controls back then. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he bashed that, but I don't know. Maybe they forgot that they bashed it. I mean, we're just so we don't understand anything about Banner right now. Like, does he still work here? Does he allow access to things? I can't imagine. It seems he still like, has a job. He's sneaking either, around then, half naked. Yeah, I know. So, so why do they have all this gamma stuff here at all? Then just because they do. Where else are you going to put it? I guess. I guess. And there was a weird reference to Betty getting kidnapped. The spy says well, if why? I had succeeded in capturing the general's daughter. My task might have been simpler. I could have had a hostage for my safety, but when did that oh. happen? When did he say that? Page four, first panel. Oh, oh, it, oh. Says it, it says it in narration on page three. Gentlemen, an attempt on the life of my daughter Betty has been made by an unidentified assailant. Okay, so, just, so that's why he takes her in the end then, because I was wondering about that. Okay, it's so just in between issues, this has happened. That's, that's See, how they do the spy. I thought legitimately they were talking about Boomerang when they first started bringing up the spy thing. Right. Because Boomerang like, did capture Betty. That, and he has tried to mess with their base before. So I was like, is he back? Or has he still been there this whole time? And I forgot. Or, But it's like a new guy. I didn't see the Abomination coming because he wasn't on the cover. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, cool, the Abomination. That's neat. But then I kind of forgot that they talked about the Betty kidnapping. So it seemed like out of nowhere that he takes her and i thought is it just because she's a hot chick and he wants to take her but now it's because i guess he was supposed to i guess we don't but really then he have... also says in to ensure no pursuit i'll take a hostage with me like anybody could follow him anyway i don't know yeah if, if, if you're reading up through page three it feels like they're talking about boomerang but then all mm-hmm. of a sudden there's this other guy mm-hmm. i don't know it's weird they just need hulk they need to give hulk somebody to save i guess so can we have language corner with John before we go on? Sure. So the word abomination. Uh-huh. It's one of those words that I've heard so many times because it's used in the Bible mm. uh, about both supposedly super gross sins and also stuff that's just like ceremonially impure and doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But it comes from French, 
for something disgusting or repugnant. And that comes from Latin for something shunned as a bad omen. Mm. And then in the late Middle Ages, a Latin phrase that sounds similar but doesn't actually relate, but it means bestial, like beastly, that got Uh wrapped up in the meaning. And I honestly think we've got all of those things wrapped up here. Gross and repugnant, bestial, this guy just shouldn't exist. He's, you know. Right. They've they've covered they they've done a good job I think with something creating something called an abomination. Yeah, but I think he gets uglier. Yeah, much like a lot of things in the Marvel universe, he'll develop more over time. Well, is this? A, uh, I forgot to look at the artist. This was yeah. This is Gil Kane. Gil Kane, right? It's kind of rough, Gil Kane, but it's Gil Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he seems like he's really rushing these whole stories, but I'm still liking it. Yeah, there's a lot of extra lines in this. I don't mm-hmm. think he keeps later. But I know you want to. So should we talk about the X-Men? Well, at least you have to do it. So sure. (laughs) I honestly, I don't even know. Oh, God. I do know. No, let's not talk about the X-Men. All right. You've got Daredevil 26. (laughs) And by the way, let's pick our favorite and worst this month. (laughs) The X-Men 30 is the Warlock Wakes, our pulsating prelude. Recuperating from their battle with the sinister super-adaptoid last-ish, the X-Men are about to begin an overdue session in the Danger Room, when suddenly a green hand appears in space in front of the Starship Enterprise. And no matter how much they steer, they can't go. (laughs) Uh, A green magical hand appears and starts shooting them. Meanwhile, who is the warlock and what phantasmagorical fate does he plan for the X-Men? Hang loose, Tiger, because the answer to that one is really going to, they say grab ya. Uh, it's really going to do something. Bulletin for art buffs, since wondrous Warner Roth is so busy working on our next uh, scintillating story, we got another titanic talent to fill in for him this ish. And now on with our customary confusing credits, Roy Thomas Scripter, Jack Sparling Designer, John Tartaglioni uh, Delineator, Artie Simic Letterer, and Irv Forbush Manicurist. Because this giant hand with their nails. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the hand appears. It sucks the X-Men into some sort of like interdimensional rift, and it, pull, it manages to pull Jean um, through and... Um, she gets to Xavier. Yeah, she gets dropped by Xavier. Xavier's I, I was working in my lab. I found myself in this void. They're both in this void together. And then this goateed uh, buffant dude in a cape shows up and calls himself the Warlock. And he's like, I've got these winged horses for all of us. We're going to go flying on horses that I've created out of my own creation. And we're going to go to this land that I rule... Um, they're all like, you know, they're dressed up like old timey knights, but they're armed with modern weapons and they work for me. And, um, they go into this like weird fortress. It's like a castle. And he's like, time for origin story. Y'all. I used to call myself Merlin, the magician, what? you know, and, uh, I ran into Thor a couple of years ago. Um, and after I ran into Thor, I just, uh, I, 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 he tricked me into returning to my crypt uh, 
that I was sleeping in for all those hundreds of years. And I was going to sleep for another millennium, but Thor didn't know that I had deceived him. It both says he tricked me and that I tricked him. Um, and since he has noticed that Thor has not been on Earth, he's been gone for a while. Merlin's like, I think I'll wake up now. You know what the name Merlin? I'm not going to use it anymore. Spoilers, it was never my name in the first place. It was just a gag. I'm going to call myself the Warlock and conquer the world. So um, he's got Jean. He has brainwashed Jean into loving him. She's like, yes, my lord. Thank you, my lord. The angel who was behind Jean in the dimensional vortex suck shows up and is like, hey. Um, and the warlock tries to hypnotize him and yeah, makes him believe that his wings are on fire. But I don't think he enslaves him like he did Jean. Um, uh, to make a long story tolerable... The other X-Men eventually show up as well, and they fight the Warlock's knights. Um, they, like, tear up the castle. They use all their powers. There's a lot of good fighting art. The Warlock's like, oh, no, this is kind of going badly. Jean, I'm going to get my Jean Grey because I love her. She's beautiful. And we're going to get out of here. Cyclops is like, no, you're not. And he uses eye beams. Since Xavier is on the scene, has brought into the situation, but without his wheelchair, there are a lot of spots where the X-Men just have to, like, cradle him and take him to the next scene. So that happens several times. Uh, the Warlock and Xavier at one point try to have a mind match, but that doesn't quite go well. Jean Grey actually fights against the X-Men briefly because she's under the Warlock's spell. And um, the Warlock... They, they figure that he probably has to see what he's doing. So the beast comes up behind him and grabs him his cape and pulls it over his head and just grabs him from behind and pins his arm to him. And, uh, and yeah, he's done. He, he can't, he can't magic anymore. So like, okay, let's go. And they leave. So Daredevil number 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We saw we saw this artist on that one cap story with the tumbler fighting the adaptoid cap that that had that one guest artist. This is that same guy. Yeah, it's okay, but I missed the other guy. Mm-hmm. Warner Rob is better. There were some spots that felt colonish, especially in the beginning. But for it's the just, most part, this it's just story kind of okay. is so epically bonkers and bonkers and nonsensical. It's like I don't even care where to begin. You know, like. It's too easy to just pick apart, and so I don't know. Whatever, whatever. What? <laughs> like just well, the very it, beginning. Why does he want Gene? And if he wants Gene, why would he also bring the professor? And how come Gene's the only one susceptible to his charm because she's female? And and, and at the and, end, Gene and Xavier just try harder, and bam, they win. Yeah. And how do the X Men even? Or oh, Angel shows up because he grabbed onto Gene's leg. But then how does Xavier bring the other X Men in? He just does somehow. Because he goes unconscious and then magically makes them. And uh, it's just like, and what is his power? Is it to. Well, it, is one it of his illusion? powers is to make mutants. All those um, a, knights that are working for him are mutants that he has created. Magneto should okay. capture him. But what are their powers? Uh, they don't. They just seem to be punched a lot, is their power. Iceman on the last page says, you know, I think we just finished saving the world. I'm still not exactly sure what happened. That is exactly how I felt when I finished that issue. Yeah. 
And they're like, well, sometimes stories don't have to make any sense. Nope, nope, nope. And then they leave. I think Xavier should totally keep that cute little moped flyer. I mean, isn't it weird that like Merlin is carrying Xavier around too on page four? Like, why? Why are you bringing him? What is the point of all this? It was kind of neat to see a throwback to a really old journey into mystery that we didn't like either. But, Mm -hmm. but, uh, and he did say in that journey into mystery, he was the first mutant. So I guess they're kind of like trying to tie that together, maybe. Well, I think you brought that out in that issue that that was our first real mention of mutants. Mm-hmm. And it was but right I, before the X-Men debuted. Yeah. See, I wasn't sure if at that point they were just abusing the word or if they really had intention of using it as an X-Men thing. Mm-hmm. I'm amused that Merlin just, just yeah, like hid from Thor in his coffin pretending to sleep until Thor was gone. Yeah. 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 Um, we will see Warlock again in issue 47. Oh, no. And that's whenever he finally lands. I, I wrote down that he finally lands the name that he sticks with, but I didn't write down what that name is. So I'm not sure what he oh. goes by in issue 47, but, oh, yeah, wait, Mahayogi or something like that. Get out of here. Yeah, that's his name. Really? Yeah. That's what he sticks with? What did he mm-hmm. go for here? The, the warlock. warlock is better than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ugh. How about just Dork Bomber? That could be his name. Uh... Yeah, I was really upset with this issue. This is definitely probably, I would say, 99% likely going to be my pick for least favorite of the month. But we technically haven't read the entire month, so I suppose something else could surprise me. You never know. But this was just so, it just seemed like every page they were just making it up as they went along. Mm -hmm. And I I don't like that. And this is the first mutant they've fought in so long, too, which is sad because it's like, what is this guy's powers? I we don't had Banshee. Know. We did have Banshee, and Banshee was actually an issue I didn't vote my least favorite. So there you go. Well, and that's the thing is that they they mention Factor Three in passing because this is definitely oh, a yeah. filling issue. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna get back to what um what Werner Roth is doing in the next issue as he builds toward that, and 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 whether we like that or not remains to be seen. But um, with their, their the book has a direction. It just took a break for that direction today. What is Factor 3, and why is it in Professor X's closet? He does have that sneaky closet in the bottom of his, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Daredevil 26. Daredevil 26. At last, see the Mass Marauder unmasked. It's one of our least inspired titles, but the story's a blast. Stiltman strikes again. Now, before we get into this, have we ever talked about who the Mass Marauder is? Like you and I as narration for the... Because I feel like when I was reading this and I read that cover, I thought, oh, was I supposed to care this entire time who the Mass Marauder was? I think maybe when he first appeared, because we were talking about how like they do a whole lot of masked villains and and that was right before the cop left. And they didn't show his face and he overheard Foggy say he was Daredevil. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I can't say that I ever thought, like not on a Green Goblin level, like who is the Mass Marauder? Like they haven't really played that up. So this was kind of shocking to me that i was supposed to care and i was like whoops i haven't been this whole time guys i'm sorry i never thought about it and then of course i knew exactly who it was the minute that happened but we'll get to that okay Stiltman strikes again honest we promise you our spellbinding saga is far more inspiring than the somewhat pedestrian title which it bears boy they really hated this title i guess pulse pounding presentation by smiling stan lee genial gene colon lots of little lettering by Artie samek um then it talks has a 
blurb about how awesome Daredevil commutes. And it does look pretty awesome, Gene Colan, so thank you for that. He's going along the city. He gets to his home, and he's like, you know what? It's been a while since old Mike Murdoch made an appearance. So he starts snapping like a hipster. He changes his shoes. He musses up his hair. He puts on sunglasses. And he goes down to the transformation sequence. (laughs) (laughs) We get more Mike Murdoch transformation than we've ever got Daredevil transformation. Let's put it that way. He puts on a yellow vest and a, I don't know what kind of hat that is, some sort of leisure suit hat kind of thing. He goes to the office. He sings to Karen. He says daddy-o a lot. He calls Foggy a square. Karen absolutely adores him and foggy finds him super annoying partly because karen adores him but partly because he's super annoying i'm with foggy on this one (laughs) anyway they're all going to go to court for some reason matt's not going to go to court and nobody questions this but mike's going to go to court with them just because on their way out they run into mr farnham their landlord who shows up every once in a while and he's like hey i hear you guys are defending uh, leapfrog. I hope you're not going to have any weird, nefarious characters in my building that I rent to you. No, no, sir. We like tax audits. Okay, good. See you later. And Mike Murdoch's like, who's that square, daddy-o? And smacks Foggy on the back and he gets mad. Anyway, um, they are, in fact, going to court to deal with Leapfrog. The prosecutor is like, so Leapfrog, are these your shoes? Leapfrog shoes? And Leapfrog's like, no, I'm not Leapfrog. He's like, I can prove they're your shoes. Put them on. And he's like, okay. He puts them on, turns into Leapfrog, leaps out the building, runs right into Stiltman. Stiltman's like, dude, I was just coming there to get you out. We were going to team up because you jump and I've got legs. And it just makes sense that we're both really stupid sounding characters. So let's be together. But you killed yourself, basically, because he jumped out the window and landed really hard. And I think the police get him, and we never see Leapfrog again. Oh, no. Stiltman is trying to take him away. He's unconscious. But Mike Murdoch turns into Daredevil, much to Karen's, like, enjoyment, because, you know, she loves the superhero thing. And Daredevil attacks Stiltman, and that's the last we see of Leapfrog, because Stiltman leaves him there, like, unconscious. They get into a big, awesome Stiltman, uh, Daredevil, Gene Colan fight. They have a little flashback as to what happened. If we recall, he got shrunketed by his shrunk machine, and he basically went into the quantum realm, and then eventually it wore off, and he was fine. So that's why he's back. Meanwhile, we cut to the mass marauder, and he's like, I'm pretty sure there's some sort of connection between Nelson and Murdoch and Daredevil, and I'm not really sure what it is, but I'm going to find out. So he sneaks into their office after hours, and he goes through all their paperwork, um, but he can't figure it out. And in exhaustion, he takes off his mask and it's <gasps> their landlord. Da, da, da. So we cut back. Stiltman, Daredevil fighting some more. Uh, Daredevil ultimately does the Empire Strikes Back thing where he swings around his legs with his, uh, what do you call that thing? His thing. Billy Club. His Daredevil. Billy Club with the, the thing. Uh, and, you know, ties them together. Stiltman falls over. Um but before Daredevil can, like, deal with Stiltman, because Stiltman's so tall, like, when he falls over, Daredevil's on one side of his legs, and in the alleyway is where the body part falls, and then the legs, like, automatically shorten, and as they're shortening, um, the mass marauder outside of his costume takes the Stiltman, puts him in his car, and Daredevil's like, Daredevil's like, what does he do? Oh, I think he calls... Yes, Daredevil sees this. He recognizes him 
as his landlord and stupidly calls him by name. And then the landlord's like, oh, he knew my name, so he must be related to the Matt Murdock, Nelson and Murdock thing or something. And he drives away laughing to himself. And Karen's like, boy, that Mike is hot. And Foggy's like, no, no, he's not. Next issue, Mike Murdock must die. So yeah. what's going to happen is he's going to use Mike Murdock to, 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 to fool the mass marauder, and then he's going to kill himself, and then the mass marauder is going to leave them alone, right? Something like that? Just Something like that. that. Yep. So before the mass marauder was introduced, we had had um, the Supreme Hydra reveal of we did. Bob Brown we did. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And that was like such a non-starter because we didn't know. Care. Yeah, or yeah. care. Like, we wanted to know who the Supreme Hydra was, but we didn't care about the guy they revealed to be. This one, we didn't really feel the need to know who the Mass Marauder was. And how did you feel about the reveal? I saw it coming a mile away once they say on the cover, at last, the Mass Marauder unmasked. And then the first time I see the landlord, it's like, oh, we've seen this guy five times now and nothing's come of it. He's the Mass Marauder. Right. And he was. The, the weird thing is there were no real indications Mm-mm. that he was the mass marauder. There was nothing really to lead us. And I, I thought I remember there being something about a ring or something, but I just never, I never saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have missed it, but yeah, it's a shame. I feel like they have not successfully figured out as of 1967, how to make a decent mystery that gets us interested. Except for the green goblin. Well, even then, like, were there other options? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think it was anybody else, but then I guess I knew who it was. But like, yeah, if you think well, they back did, on they that, did a couple of stories that like teased Jonah Jameson and teased Foswell. Yeah, that's true. I think there was that one fake out, and I think and Crime I Master died thinking he was J. J. Jonah Jameson. Yes, that's right. But it just seems like okay, you have the Mass Marauder. Let's introduce maybe two or three people that right that, that randomly be. and regularly go through Matt's life and tease hints about all of them. And then at some point, you're going to be like, wow, who is it? It's one of these guys. And they didn't really do the thing that they did with Green Goblin where, except for like his first appearance or two, um, Norman Osborn appears at the club in every Green Goblin issue and in only mm-hmm. Green Goblin issues. Whereas Farnham did not appear in every Mass Marauder story, and he does appear in non-Mass Marauder stories. So mm-hmm. it's like they, they, they didn't really do anything to, to I don't know, it was a it was a weird mystery element that it wasn't really that much teased, and also there wasn't really anything right. to like make you think who is this? Yeah, considering the guy's name is Masked Marauder, I never really cared about what was under the mask, or I mm-hmm. never thought I was supposed to care. I guess. Again, I love the glamour shot sequence on pages three and four, the like magical girl transformation that Matt Murdock does mm-hmm. to become Mike. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. Karen is so like, why does she like this guy so much? He's such a doofus, but she thinks he's Daredevil. Is that the only reason, basically? I guess so. You know, they they do kind of click in a humor way. Like, he comes in and and she's like, Mike Murdoch, are you ever serious? He's like, sure I am. Come on, let's get married. She's like, sorry, I can't. I've got a hairdresser appointment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I think they kind of click in a cute way. The art is fantastic. Again, Gene Colan... Daredevil is the most amazing art we've got mm-hmm. on the show, I think. And I love, like, just her expressions when Mike's around are phenomenal to me. Like, page 
five, for instance. Right. She's just like, they're just joking around. It's just great. And you think about this from Matt's perspective, he mm-hmm. knows Karen. Mm-hmm. He knows how he wants to be around Karen. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just do that. And Foggy's annoyed face is so great. Yes, Foggy. Foggy wants this guy to jump off a cliff. Foggy read the next issue blurb in this issue and threw a party. I think Mike Murdoch must die means that Foggy's going to kill him. In the uh, face. I mean, it's just amazing to me how, like, anybody who says, I've said this before, anybody who says that they don't care about the art when it comes to comic, like, to them, it's all story. It's like, I'm sorry, it's a graphic medium. And Gene Colan can make a story about the leapfrog and stilt man amazing. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Like, page eight and nine, leapfrog escaping from, from, court like that sentence alone should not excite anybody and yet it is incredibly exciting how that happens i don't know it just looks awesome giving a guy weaponized shoes <laughs> that he in, theoretically knows how to use right yeah. in the courtroom even mm-hmm. i mean they're 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 doing the cinderella ploy it's just like you don't do that mm-hmm. you don't hand the man a mm-hmm. gun just to see if he can hold it yeah, I don't even know how to work this gun. Here, I'll prove it. Let me hold it. <laughs> yeah, that was dumb on their part. But Stiltman looks great. Um, Have we had a successful villain team up where they don't betray each other? I think not. So Stiltman's idea of like them teaming up, maybe that's not a great idea. Maybe don't do it. Maybe not. Um, Stiltman is, is great. I mean, he's so stupid, but it just looks really cool. Colin takes the two ridiculous ideas... Mm-hmm. Silkman and Leapfrog, yeah. and makes them really work. They shouldn't, it's, but they do. It, I know. It's a very dynamic fight. It's pretty awesome. I mean, you got images like on page 18. This guy has so much height, and Daredevil is just like so acrobatically moving all around, filling in the 3D space with his movements, and it's just like mm-hmm. taking down the Stiltman with his billy club rope. Like <laughs> they he's gave an Adat Sti- walker. They gave Stiltman a splash page. I mean, come on. Yes. That's just fantastic. Anyway, I enjoyed this story. I do think it's the plot's a little weak and bonkers. Like, I don't get why Mike is going to court instead of Matt. And it's kind of contrived that Stiltman's going there to hook up and whatever. But I do like, even though we just said that we didn't really care who the mass marauder was, I do like that Daredevil screwed up and called him by his name. And now he's all like, whoa, what's going on with this? Why does Daredevil know my name? That was great. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool setup. This just seems kind of like a little filler of a story, and the real story is the Mass Marauder zeroing in on Daredevil's identity. For for you know to play the devil's advocate, they don't take Mike Murdoch to court. Mike invites himself and says, "I'll be there to watch y'all in action." No, yeah, but so, why why does Matt think he shouldn't go to court as Matt to work? Yeah. Like, they have a big court case. Why is he taking himself out of that? Kind of weird, right? Like, anyway. We can't afford to be out of our tree by tomorrow when court convenes for the Leapfrog's arraignments. And yeah, he's just just not doing his job. He's too busy being silly. (laughs) Yeah. But it helps him be Daredevil, I guess. I guess. All right. So was that Daredevil 26? That was. Okay. Last issue for the episode. Fantastic Four 61. In this epochal issue, the end of Mr. Fantastic, where stalks the Sandman? I can't say I've heard epochal that often either. No, that's an interesting word. I don't get the title. 
where stalks the where Sandman? Stalks the Sandman. That sort of phrase would be like a, a, a description. This is asking mm-hmm. where does the Sandman stalk? Where and it kind of the Baxter, fits. the Baxter Building, I guess. Yeah, this is kind of a horror movie, monster movie kind of Sandman story, which we'll talk about later. But it's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. It's extravagantly executed with ebullient erudition by Stanley and Jack Kirby, inked by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Sam Rosen. Maybe our stories are a bit stretched out as some Maverick Marvel malcontents have claimed, but you've got to admit they come on with a bang, right, Tiger? So um, Reed Richards has created an atom igniter, and if that weren't bad enough, it can fire itself with him not doing it. So uh, we open the story with Ren, Ren, with Reed telling Ben and Sue, get out of the way of the gun. Um, It will shoot you. And Sue makes a force field that um, protects them. But um, Ben Grimm actually does take a blast from the atom gun and he gets knocked down and gets back up again. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, other weird stuff goes on in the uh, in the lab. I grab a polarizer, hits Ben and throws him in the air and reads like, you know, gosh, Ben, I'm going to get mad at you, even though it's all of my stuff that's going crazy. Meanwhile... <laughs> In Castle Latveria. <laughs> yeah. The Silver Surfer is like, Ugh, I don't have my cosmic power. I don't have my surfboard. Why must I lie here? I just wish I could go to freedom. And the guards are like, hey, hey, you like space, right? Look, I got a big old picture of space. Look, it's space. You like it, right? <laughs> it's just a picture. I'm going to take it away from you. Silver Surfer is like, no. And they hit Silver Surfer and beat him in the face, calling him nothing but a rotten alien. When suddenly his surfboard returns from Doctor Doom being demolished last issue. And Silver Surfer, dun-dun-dun, is once more full of the power cosmic. He leaves Castle Latveria and blasts it to rubble as he exits. Meanwhile, back at the Baxter building, Reed's looking for something. We don't know what he's looking for, but he's looking for something. And all of a sudden, the Fantastic Three get attacked by sand. Sand just pours in from the ceiling. So much sand. It basically is drowning them in the sand. It pushes them so hard through a wall into the next room. And the sand comes together and <gasps> it's the Sandman. And he's there in a brand new costume. He's no longer one of the Frightful Four. He's now just the Sandman. And he's like, I'm going to fight you with my sandiness. And um, all the Fantastic Three go up against the Sandman. Um, Meanwhile, the Inhumans. Mm. Yeah. And then (laughs) (laughs) Um, they've, they've found a place to live, a secret shelter somewhere in Europe. They're chilling. They're vibing. Off panel, they've gotten Lockjaw back. Like, I guess Johnny and White Wingfoot just stopped traveling with them during the Doctor Doom fight. So Longjaw checked out. And he's back with the Inhumans now. Chris is like, all right, Longjaw, take me to find Johnny Storm. And the Inhumans are like, okay, I guess you can do that. So she teleports away and reappears at a football game at State University. And Peter Parker is in the stands with Mary Jane covering the game with the camera. Um, Crystal shows up in the middle of the field with Lockjaw, stops the game. And she's like, I'm looking for Johnny Storm. Who's Johnny Storm? 
Wyatt Wingfoot is there and recognizes her because he's in all the Fantastic Four stuff. And he brings her a radio that says, the Fantastic Four's deadly battle with the Sandman. And Chris was like, that means Johnny's in danger. Um, actually, Johnny is not in danger. He is actually, at this moment, flying toward the Baxter building because it's been 13 pages and he hasn't shown his face yet. <laughs> um, so he arrives... He and Sue and Reed and Ben continue to fight the Sandman, who continues to have some really great art and some fantastic designs. And just, you know, honestly, I think Kirby has improved upon a Ditko model. Um, until, what do they do? They shoot gas at him. I think they shoot flamble. Uh, I think Johnny tries to set him on fire. And the Sandman squelches his flame with the sand and with the fumes. And Reed's like, okay. I've got an idea. I'm going to have to open the door to the negative zone. And Johnny said, didn't you tell us never to open that door? And Reed said, yes, because if you do, we could die, but we can't beat the Sandman any other way. So we've got to suck him into the negative zone. So they open the door and all the wind starts blowing into the negative zone. And Johnny's like, oh, no, it's pulling me in. And Reed says, oh, no, it's pulling me in. And Sandman says, oh, no, it's pulling me in, but I'm going to jump out a window and get away. <laughs> and so Reed falls through the portal and starts falling through space through the negative zone. They get the portal closed, and everyone else is like, whew, Sandman's gone. All right. And then Sue's like, but Reed's gone, too. And look at the monitor. He's in the negative zone. He's getting pulled toward that planet over there. And they're like, what are we going to do? Ben, save him. And Ben's like, don't you think I would have? If I could have? Don't you think I'd already be out there? But I can't, Johnny. He's gone. And it's going to be continued next issue. Wow. Fantastic Four, huh? Like... We've seen Kirby draw Sandman before because he's been part of the Frightful Four for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like somehow on was... this, in this issue, it's like he suddenly just became the coolest, most powerful character of all time or something. It's pretty right. Amazing. I almost feel like Kirby's previous Sandman treatments were like channeling Ditko's character. Mm-hmm. But now that Ditko's gone, Kirby's like, I can do whatever I want to with this guy and make it look awesome. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't look awesome before, but like Kirby's version of awesome. Just page seven alone was just like miraculous to me. Like they're drowning in sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This out of nowhere, this guy. Um, that said, it's a cool costume. Don't dig it for Sandman. And I feel like his dialogue, it's almost like he's a whole different character or something. Mm-hmm. He's a typical Kirby baddie uh, with Stanley over the top dialogue. He's not really Sandman anymore. He's not, he's like talking, like I took a fast refresher refresher course in science and then designed a new costume for myself. No, Sandman doesn't do that. No. After, and it's like, after all, now that I'm superior, now that I'm the superior of the Fantastic Four, I might as well look the part. Sandman doesn't say that. He says stuff like you, you crumb bums are like hacking me off and I'm Mm going to, and I'm going to punch you with my big square fist. So it's like, they're trying to reimagine him as something different and i'm glad it doesn't last because i know it doesn't i um don't like this costume for the same no 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 i don't uh, i i've leading up to this point i think i've made comments about how i hate this costume coming up um Mm -hmm. and you know the purple version of the green shirt was fine then they did Mm -hmm. the green shirt last time we saw him and then this 
as soon as he loses this, I'll be happy. Yeah, because it's like they're taking away. I don't know how to describe. Uh, I'm trying not to be insulting because I'm not saying he's dumb just because he doesn't speak like Mr. Fantastic. But he has his own like uh, he's more like a down to earth villain. You know, he's mm-hmm. not over the top. He's like he's a dude who grew up in the projects or something like that. And Flint Marco. I mean, he's yeah, he's a he's a thug. Three 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 strike loser, whatever you call him. You wouldn't want a absorbing man talking about taking a crash course in science, you know? There was one page I thought Kirby, like on page 11, he just lets loose his old school, like Kirby ugly face. Mm, yeah. Because, you know, Kirby does a lot of shortcuts in his faces in this part mm. of his career. Mm. But he used to have really creative, elaborate faces. Yeah, the wizard. Yeah. And page 11 kind of harkens back to the golden age. Now, does it say, because this just occurred to me, does it say why the Sandman is attacking the Fantastic Four? I don't think so. The last time we saw Sandman, did they thwart his escape from prison along with the wizard, or did he get away? I can't remember. I can't remember, but it was like a real, it was like the intro before all the Doctor Doom cosmic shenanigans, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was almost seemed out of place in that issue. Yeah. Like it didn't really connect to the stuff that was going on. Maybe he's been hiding in the building the entire time, building this costume. That's that's what I was wondering. He does get away. The wizard doesn't. Okay. So maybe he is looking for revenge because, like, they captured his buddy or something. I don't know. But he sure doesn't say anything, so it would have been neat if he did. But whatever. I kind of wish we had seen Crystals and Lockjaw's reunion. Okay. 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 And I'm asking you to care. I'm asking you to care about no, the no, Indians. No, 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 I'm, no. I'm just wondering... Last we saw, Inhumans escape from their prison by Black Bolt destroying their city. We saw them getting and shot then, at last episode. No, last I know, issue. but like, but then Black Bolt and Crystal and Gorgon and Triton and whatever, we're all going to go look for Johnny because Crystal wanted to look for Johnny and the rest of the royal family didn't want her to look alone. So they said, hey, everybody else, rebuild our building while we leave, which one I thought was ridiculous. But now we're here, and they're like, here's our new place. Are they talking about a new, new place? A new, 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 new Earth? Or are they talking about the old place having been rebuilt by the peasants that they left behind? No, I think. And regardless, why is it okay for Crystal to just leave now on her own, when before it wasn't? Well, she has Lockjaw now, and she says that Lockjaw can bring me to him. Oh, um, okay. All needs your consent. I think they okay. might have been building this place or getting this place together last issue whenever they were stumbled upon by hunters. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're right. They all did come out to help accompany Crystal. Now they're just letting her go out on her own. Mm. It does say it's a secret shelter in Europe. So that does not suggest to me that it's in the inhuman city rebuilt. Right. No, no, no. They're, they're, still, they're still being their own people. All right. Well, that's great. Just more one-page plot. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you had removed last issue, you could have ended the story with the amazing page five and six of this story. That would have been much more satisfying. Yeah. But it because, does, I, we are working yeah. Crystal back toward the Fantastic Four. She's looking for Johnny. Uh-huh. She doesn't find him this issue, but I think she's going to find him next issue. And she's got her weird hair thing now. Oh, she does? Ha- did she, she not have it before? I don't know. I feel like I would have noticed, but I don't know. I I've like, always wondered about that thing. What the heck is that thing? Um, just like a hair. In, the, in live action, it was actually colors in her hair. Okay. But I've always seen it as like a band wrapping her hair or something. She but was not weird. wearing 
her outfit in the last time we saw her. She was just wearing her regular old clothes. Yeah, this now is kind of a kind of a thing for her now to wear. Now she's got her yellow Inhumans outfit with the black hair tie thing. I like to think that um, Peter Parker doesn't understand football enough to take pictures at the right time. <laughs> that was cool to see them, and I also think it's cool that Kirby and really relied on Ramita's version to mm-hmm. render. Oh, this is that. actually. Um, uh-huh. I think the Fantastic Cast said that this is actually a Ramita drawn Peter face. I was going to say, I bet you Ramita just went in there and did it for him. Yeah. Or finished it off for him or something. So where was Human Torch the whole time? They don't really say, do they? No, he just wasn't home. Yeah. I guess they were all recouping from the Doctor Doom fight, and he was recouping somewhere else. That's cool. Do you think Peter Parker, upon learning that the Fantastic Four were so badly outnumbered by Sandman that they even lost a member to the negative zone, that he's like, I just beat him with a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that hard maybe he's advanced since then how did johnny i guess he could have heard the same radio that peter parker heard you know oh. what this is a random no no that, would, that a, wouldn't work never mind it doesn't say, say at all what if peter parker's face was actually supposed to be johnny storm and he heard the news that they were in trouble because he seems to be responding on page 14 to You're the right. exact same news broadcast that they play on page 13 right because she's all like, because oh, if, they're in danger. And the next page is, I hope I'm not too late. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't work because if Johnny had been there, he would have gone gaga over Crystal. It would have been cool if there was a panel where he's just like playing video games and there's a news thing that says the Fantastic Four's building is on fire. And then he went to go look. I'm dying, Squirtle. Um, that's an on fire joke. Never mind. Side note, random tidbit. This one's free. At the beginning, they mentioned that there have been complaints about the continued stories. Uh-huh. I noticed that. And it, it it's worth pointing out because we've talked about before how Marvel stories have gotten to be where there's no ending. Mm-hmm. They just wrap up some plot points and go into the next plot points. Mm-hmm. Or they have an arc that goes over several issues. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is, the, I think, the first fresh start to a story in a long time. And Galactus was in the middle of a big thing that went from Inhumans to Galactus to Wakanda. And it was just like lots of stuff. So DC doesn't do that. No. It just doesn't. And sometimes for Marvel, it works really well. And other times it bothers me. Like it's bothered me before. Like with the Hulk, it just seemed like one thing after another. Here we go. And I never Mm -hmm. really sunk my teeth in anything but then other times it's like there's some underlying plot point that continues from one issue to another and it's cool yeah but be that as it may does that wrap us up for this issue that does well that wraps us up for the the episode episode. those are our four issues yeah all right so let's see what we've got then now we have um next episode four more stories coming at you those are going to be the avengers 38 which we had said we were going to cover this episode, but we didn't. So you probably already read it. But if you have a good job, go read it. You're ahead. No, lies. That was Tales of Suspense 88. Uh, yes. We're going to do the Avengers 38, then Tales of Suspense 88. That's the one you probably already read. Then mm-hmm. Strange Tales 155, and then Amazing Spider-Man 47. Um, so do go giant craven. That's what I was craving. I was like, it's not Shocker. What is 47? It's the craven. Yeah, it's Craven with the pin particles. Got and so big multiple on the cover. man, multiple man dressed as Spider Man. 
Why have pen particles when you have laser nipples? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> In the meantime, where can they find us, Mike? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com, where if you type in Make Ours Marvel and any of your favorite uh, podcast apps, hopefully we show up. But if not, go to makearsmarvel.com. You'll find a link to all the most popular apps and just a general RSS feed. Uh, you'll also find links to our Twitter and Facebook. And you'll find a, uh, what do you call those things, contact form you could use to write us a letter or you could just write directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. A new addition to that website is the PayPal link which you can use to drop us a donation to support the cost of the show and show your appreciation and support. Never, um, uh, what's, what's the phrase? Never expected, but always appreciated. And we got our first one. Yay. So Yassin Bade, Yassin B on Twitter. Thank you very much for the $10,000 donation. Yeah. That's the bar people. Yeah. $10,000. Not really, but Yassin really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes. Very much. And um, Mike and I can also both be followed on Twitter. We are people who talk about things on Twitter uh, because that is the cool place to talk about stuff. And so I can be followed at John Reads Comics. Mike can be followed at Kaiser the Great. I also have other podcasts that I do. Um, I'm putting most of my love and energy into the two podcasts that are on the Return to Cybertron feed. So if you go to Twitter at TFUK Podcast, or if you search on your um podcatchers return to cybertron there are actually two podcasts on that feed one is a transformers podcast where i have uh, my son and i have finished looking at second season cartoons and i'm going through a long series of comic stories that um fill in between seasons two and three and the movie will be uh coming up in a few months but while i'm doing that my son and i have launched a second show called Dino Squad Goals, which is ridiculously named, but it's where he and I are talking through every episode, two at a time, of the Japanese superhero sentai, um, superhero series, Kyoryu Sentai Jurenja, which is, of course, the mm. dinosaur-themed ranger series that was adapted to become Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So do uh. go listen to us over there. We're having lots of fun every week. And I also have all the Pouches and Image Comics podcasts, but that's kind of a back burner show right now. And um, yeah, those are all of our things. That's all of our things. So do come back next time. We have four more comics. And until then, or until Rick Jones becomes the new abomination, make ours marvel. marvel.